Hi, I'm Sean L. McCarthy, founding editor of the Comics Comic, found wherever you can type the Comics Comic into your electronic devices. Welcome to Last Things First, the show that asks comedians about the historic lasts and firsts in their lives as their comedy careers have blossomed, from young people's dreams to adult people living those dreams, or still dreaming. Questions both big and small are asked and answered. It's hopefully both amusing and illuminating. Jeff Garland is a comedian and actor who honed his chops in the 1980s with The Second City alongside the likes of Stephen Colbert and Amy Sedaris. You know him from playing Larry David's friend Jeff Green on HBO's Curb Your Enthusiasm, as well as playing the patriarch of the ABC sitcom family, The Goldbergs. You've heard his voice in such Pixar classics as WALL-E and Toy Story 3 and 4, and he has written and directed three feature films, I Want Someone to Eat Cheese With, Dealing with Idiots, and Handsome, a Netflix mystery movie. Garland goes even deeper into his movie credits during his 2019 Netflix comedy special, Our Man in Chicago. But as he'll tell you then and now, nothing is more fun than making it up as we go along. So let's get to it. Maybe retiring from talk shows. Although I did the Daily Show last night, I very much enjoyed that. But in general, the, the regular talk show, I think right. I'm done. I think I'm just going to be podcast. I don't like doing those. Well, it's such quick, a stale format. It's stale. It's, and it's designed to plug something. It's, it's designed to plug, but it's also not, as a viewer, how do you get any joy out of it? It's just so not right. joy, enjoyable. Well, it doesn't fit into your your ethos of making it up as you go along. Yeah, well, you do it, a pre-interview. Well, no, no, I don't do the pre-interviews. Okay. And it, it actually works for me very well. I score big, but it's just sort of like, why? No one watches them. <laughs> More, I mean, you get bigger hits from doing a podcast because if someone is invested in a podcast and someone's a guest on the podcast, right. they want to know what that guest is about. And if they dig what you do, they'll search out what it is you do. So I just, I just think podcast is the form. Any, by the way, there's not many magazines anymore, but a long-form interview, right. certainly in a, in a magazine of some sort, is still interesting to me. Well, that uh, would start with, I'm sitting with Jeff yeah. in the drawing room yeah, of, the, the jury, yeah. of a luxurious Soho. Yeah, la- yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> He's wearing a black T-shirt. Yeah, Marvin Gaye. Uh, That's how what's the magazine going on. Yeah, yeah, started, yeah, yeah, right? yeah. It's yeah. always about... What's going on? How they walk in the room. <laughs> He sits down, he, he, he sniffles his nose, you know, whatever. Yeah. So, Jeff Garland, last things first. Uh, here's a question I hope you haven't gotten yet. Uh, they're making a movie about Del Close and Charna Halpern. Okay, I've not received this question, so that's good. Sharna's <laughs> uh, in it, too. I guess Sharna would be, a, she it, helped him recover from drugs to get I mean, to where he was. And yeah. they started Improv Olympic yeah. in Second City. Yes. So my question to you is, who would you cast as yourself and all the other players in that oh i wouldn't even i would have no idea i'd have no idea i know that i'd want you know someone to play uh, you know um to play dell like you know who could play a great dell is ed norton I oh, think could be a great okay. Dell. I'd want a great actor playing that role um in terms of everybody else i don't know i, I don't have a clue and i you know sharna you want like a great, interesting actor. You know, you want act. You want real. Mm-hmm. I, I want to look. I know that whole story. Uh, Sharna 
as there was, for it. Yes, which but but Sharon has always been very nice. I mean, I wasn't an improv Olympic person, but Del Close, when I got fired from Second City one mm-hmm. time, I went out to eat with him and one of his protégés, who's one of my best friends, David Pasquese. And Del was very supportive of me. He's always been very nice to me, even though I didn't. I sat in on a class or two of his, but in general, I didn't really work with him, but he was nothing but kind and supportive to me. So if I'm going to see that, I want to see a story that's well told and well acted as opposed to just the giddiness of like, oh, I was there, you know. Well, I'm glad you mentioned that because I was interviewing somebody else and we were talking about the National Lampoon movie that came out and everybody was all a titter because it was such an all-star comedian cast. Right. But at the same time, it takes you out of... Well, I I actually, speaking of that movie specifically, because I was a National Lampoon guy, like Mm -hmm. I read the magazine, I know all that history and all those people, all those people are my heroes. Mm -hmm. And I was friends with some of those people. Um, I have to tell you, I didn't watch it and wouldn't watch it. (laughs) I didn't want to because it almost seems like play acting. Right. You know? It's, so. it's like a journalist watching the HBO series uh, The Newsroom. Well, that anyone watching you're, you're, The Newsroom, those you're, monologues that 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 uh, you're watching that somebody you wrote, desecrate you know. your profession, and right, you're like, yeah. you're doing it all wrong. Right? Yeah, I know. Well, that's always the thing. Like the last movie about was Punchline with Sally Field and yes. Tom Hanks. That I think was about stand up. Maybe there's another yes. one. But anyhow, that was so wrong in terms of how it was portrayed. Well, the locker room. Yeah, the locker room alone. I actually I, I t- told people when they would mention, I go, I've been doing comedy even back then for quite a while. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I have never seen a locker room at any comedy club ever. No. You would think the comedy store might. Nope. Uh, uh, but if, if yeah, so it did. To, yes, it would be the comedy store. That was strictly from someone's imagination. Mm-hmm. Do you believe in the, um, in the old actor's... Mantra of there's no small parts, only small actors. Well, I don't know about the small part, small actors thing, but I do know that I don't need anything more than one scene to want to be in a movie in terms of if it's a well-written scene and it's part of the storytelling. Mm-hmm. I go by, in terms of my acting style, uh, Spencer Tracy's, know your lines and don't bump into the furniture. So that's a big thing of mine. So with that being said... Know your lines. Don't burn the furniture. Don't worry about how much you're in the movie. <laughs> really, I ask so, because you're, you know your new special, Our Man in Chicago. Yeah, talks about a, a couple of those small parts. Yes, yeah, so I, I, well, when I was starting in, in Robocop, but 3. but I wouldn't do those parts now, right? Or anything like those parts. Those weren't substantial. They had a few lines, whatever. But I had adventures while right. doing them. Whereas when they rebooted Robocop. You weren't interested. <laughs> Well, I didn't even think about it. I, by the way, I didn't even go, oh, I'm part of that history. I never even occurred to me. Right. But I, I don't want to – I, I want to do things that are substantial, but I don't need to be the star. Okay. And I don't need to be in every scene. One scene – I remember – I mean, you know who did, like, the most amazing thing in um, – I forgot the movie. Alec Baldwin. What was the real estate movie uh, in Chicago? Oh, the um – uh, always be closing, like Glenn Gary, Glenn, Glenn, Glenn Ross. Yeah. Alec Baldwin's in, I think, one scene. You are just, you're saying, oh, my God, when it's over. And it's great storytelling. Right. But I don't need it to be that extreme of a great scene. But I just want to, I'm good with a substantial scene, okay. any movie. Any movie with a substantial filmmaker and something to say. Will I do a small part in a Marvel movie? No. 
Will I do a small part in a dumb comedy? No. But Pixar, yes. Well, Pixar, I'll do anything they ask. Right. I've had a great run with them, and I love them. You're in, you're in, but if you're Steven in the Soderbergh, if Steven Soderbergh calls me up and says I have this part, mm-hmm. it's one day I'm there, I'm just there. Ocean Sixteen. Well, even something that he does that's commercial mm-hmm. like that, I'll be in anything that a guy like that makes. Okay. I'll be in anything. You know, Martin Scorsese, Wes Anderson, uh, Paul T- Tom- Thomas Anderson. You know. It'd be an honor to be anywhere near. So I just want if I had a scene in The Irishman, I'd be dancing right now, you know. Um, yeah, I don't, but I don't pay attention to the other stuff. Okay. Uh, so like I said before I turned the mics on, you know, I spent the day watching uh, plenty of old and new Jeff Garland. And uh, I found it fascinating how I watched something from this month and something from 1998, and they both played into what's happening with your special Mm -hmm. the most recent episode of the goldbergs Mm -hmm. uh you keep your pants on Mm -hmm. mostly Mm -hmm. (laughs) except for one scene where you're dressed like king kong bundy oh yeah but you you don't know who your character doesn't know who he is right of course you know know exactly i I ran into him yes many years ago at a comedy gig and then in um speaking of that i also watched your hbo half hour comedy hour Mm mm-hmm um, from 1998, and mm-hmm. in the beginning, it bookends it with you sitting at the table with the other HBO half Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you're talking gig. about that gig. Oh, am I? Yeah. Oh, I didn't even and remember. It, it cuts off right at the end credits before you can say King Kong Bundy. Oh, wow. You talk I about, didn't even remember that. I remember it, filming those, but I don't remember. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like, they go, worst gig, and we all went around the table, whatever, yeah. or weirdest gig, or whatever. So from... from 2018 right how about that you stuck with yeah that but, well, well that was a story and that wasn't even i'd never even done that in stand-up i was just it was and it was just it's, it was my worst gig. it was my weirdest gig i've had worse gigs for sure yeah so many hundreds so but at that table you're sitting with Pat oswald who you're still working with yes and dave chappelle yes who went on to Yep, and I know, I mean, Dave and I aren't friends. I I don't use the word friends loosely. We're acquaintances. We know each other well. I'm fond of him. I know at least the way he reacts to me, he's fond of me. So I, yeah, I mean, yeah, all the people that were there. Those those two in particular, in addition to becoming huge comedy stars, yeah. have both become kind of figureheads in this debate we're having about comedy these days. And by the way, I couldn't agree with both of them more, especially Pat and Oswald who came out and wrote all those great things that are going on in the comedy world because mm-hmm. uh, what's-his-name who directed The Joker said you can't make comedy anymore. Yeah, Todd Let, Phillips. Todd Phillips. Let me say this flat out. I have not changed the way I do comedy except in terms of evolving our, a, a, as a comedian. Mm-hmm. I've not changed. What is funny to me is still funny. Anyone I know who is funny is still funny and has not changed. They evolve, but they've not changed. There is no political correctness or no Me Too movement that's stopping good comedy. So the idea that anyone thinks that it's changed things is wrong. And I also think in terms of Me Too, for example, what's wrong with showing a woman respect and being kind and thoughtful? That's always the way I've operated. So it's not going to be a weird thing to me to do that. And it doesn't concern my comedy. Um, None of it does. And so I feel that people without a sense of humor are given a voice of the Internet, of Twitter or whatever, and then people react to it, which they shouldn't. It's like saying... 
Well, I'm not going to go there. I was going to go something else. Well, uh, you know, so Chappelle, with his special, kind yeah. of lashes back at the backlash on her. Right, yes. He goes, I don't care what you say. He doesn't. And by the way, if it gets more eyes on his special, he's happy. <laughs> and Dave Chappelle is not a mean-spirited man. He's certainly uh, one of the greatest comedians ever. And, and, and I find him to be a thoughtful dude, you know? Yeah. So I, I don't And a genius know. when it comes to comedy. Pretty brilliant. Yes, yeah. indeed. Same with Patton. But but Chappelle among like talk going back to your style of comedy, Chappelle really does make it seem like it's just coming out of thin air. Right, he does. Right, there's no work. Right, and, and he, he does work. Though, he does his though, sets. Well, he's just he's, he a, does put he's in natural. Work. He's natural. Yeah. He's a natural. I could watch him talk for hours. Yeah, yeah, and it's it's you know I I think that um, you know I think that for all the um, the um, negative stuff that he, you know he, he gets, I guarantee there's people who write in who go uh, the movie TV show Transparent on on uh, Amazon. People yeah. are upset about that. Do you know what I mean? How dare you? Why not show normal people quoting? You know what I mean? It's like somebody's going to get pissed off about everything. So I don't worry about it, and I don't think he should either. Um, you know- and also, he's trying to make humor out of all of it. Right. And and I don't think at any point in his entire life he ever looked at somebody um who was transitioning, cross-dressing and said they don't deserve every piece of life that he has and he gets. Do you know what I mean? I don't think that's ever happened. I'm over at Disney and the bathroom has a drawing on it of someone using the bathroom, something with no sexuality mm-hmm. whatsoever. And it you says, it says, well, no, it's one restroom mm-hmm. that they told me to use off the lobby. Okay. And the, the big sign says all gender restroom. Doesn't the word restroom just imply that? If you just have one room right. and it says restroom, aren't all genders welcome? It's just this whole nonsensical overthinking stuff. And I think a lot of the stuff with Chappelle and all this is a, a overthinking, a lot of overthinking. And you People don't, looking for stuff. And you definitely don't like to overthink. No, I don't, I'm the this opposite Netflix overthink. This special made you think probably more than you yeah, I don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't overthink, that's for sure. Um, one of the other things that that – struck me going back to your 1998 half hour uh-huh. where you were also uh, talking about Overeaters Anonymous. Right. And here, well, I've had the problem for years. Yeah. Right. But here, you know, you're, you're in your Netflix special, you have years of, of sugar sobriety. Yeah. I, 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 yes. I, I, yes. <laughs> but that's evolving as a man. That's right. evolving as a uh, comedian. Sure. Do you, do you find as you've been losing weight that that's uh, even that has become an issue with the Goldbergs where you're too thin? Yeah. No. Okay. No, and same with Curb. You know, no, never. Like you're no changing issue. the character. Well, no, because my style of comedy and who I am has nothing to do, unless it's a topic that I'm talking about, mm-hmm. it has nothing to do with why I'm funny or why I'm vulnerable. You know, some of these fat comics will lose weight and they lose their vulnerability. I'm a naturally vulnerable person, and I let that out on stage. I'm not afraid of it. Right. I'm confident and in control, but I'm also revealing things that are very vulnerable and very personal. And so I don't feel that losing weight has anything to do with that, my comedy. That's kind of been a hallmark of your movies, too. Right. right? Yeah. Um, one, of my, um, one of my colleagues at Decider.com, uh, he's watched your movie Handsome like 
five more times than I have. Shut up. And Someone's he, watched it that many. Wow, yeah. that's so kind. And uh, I'm very proud of that movie. For good reason. And he, oh, thank he, you. he wanted me to ask you, there's a scene with Christine Woods where you're on the sofa like, like we are now. Right. And um, you're questioning her, but then she goes into this speech. speech. of what she wants. Yeah. Yeah. Um, how did that scene come about? That scene was fully written. It was written by um, myself and Andrea Siegel, who I wrote it with. Mm-hmm. And that scene, the whole monologue that, that Christine Woods does and that is, was written by Andrea. Um, what I brought to it was obviously being in the scene, mm-hmm. but uh, the tone of the scene. And also I, was imp- I didn't block it out a lot in terms of what I did, my uncomfortableness being alone with this woman while the music's playing. That's what I brought to it as an actor. And as a director, I allowed myself to do it. But that scene was written. Okay. Not improvised. I didn't improvise a word in that scene. Neither did she. <laughs> Neither did she. Do you, get, do you get as much or more pleasure out of directing your friends and comedians as much as you I as get as much joy from directing actors and performers that I dig as I do, you know, acting myself more so more so. Yeah. I just get joy. I love like I love my fellow comedians. Right. I love laughing. You can see that in the scenes with Natasha Leone, the scenes. Yeah. With I'm just enjoying myself. Yeah. That's that's what I do. Yes. Yeah. How, how does one go about building a career like that where you're where I don't you're know. Doing that Just follow my career and say, oh, that's how you... There are no rules. The only thing I know about, about a career is you just have to keep moving forward. That, people go, what's the secret? I go, the secret is when you face adversity, which is mostly nobody giving a shit about you. That's adversity in show business. And so the rise above, rise above that, mm-hmm. you, you have to keep moving forward. Um. When you when you put out you put out your HBO half hour, and then a year later you're back in the HBO offices with Larry David. Yes, yes. Did you think that you had some heat with HBO? No, it had nothing to do with that. I uh, Larry, I approached Larry David. Well, no, I had I had uh, developed John Stewart and Dennis Leary's mm-hmm. specials, Lock and Load for Dennis Leary, John Stewart Unleavened. I helped develop those. What, what do you mean by help develop? Well. I didn't direct the cameras, but I directed what was on stage. And I went on the road with them and went over their material, how they performed it, the way they did it. So I sort of was like... How did you gain their comfort level to do that? Well, they're two close friends who know... Amongst my peers, like my immediate peers, my age, from my era, I have a reputation for having an eye as to how to make things better. That's how I actually led to Curb that way. So um, I always came up with I came with this idea about what if someone did the HBO an HBO special about the making of an HBO special and they didn't even have to do the special they could back out and I thought who's perfect and I was around Larry one day and we went to lunch and at lunch he's asking me about comedy I go well if you ever want to do a special I have the perfect special and that turned out to be Curb Your Enthusiasm how long had it been since Larry had done stand up at that quite a while quite a while yeah I mean. Years, for sure. What happened? Oh, okay. All right. I always think that. What happened? Yeah, it's been, it been, it been about a year. Okay. I mean, years, not a year. And now it's 20 years later. Yeah. Made 10 seasons. Yes. Can't believe it. Unbelievable. Yeah. How do you have, a, how do you have Curb without Marty Funkhauser? You just do, but I will say it's a whole, 
Bob Einstein. Yeah, died. Bob Einstein. It's a hole because he's, he was close friends with Larry and myself. Mm-hmm. So every day that he wasn't there, you know, he, he had pneumonia. And then he called and he's like, well, I'm coming back. We're all excited. And then he found out he had cancer and he was dead shortly thereafter. Had he it, filmed anything at that point? No, he's not in the show at all. We mention him, but we don't mention him in terms of death. We mention yeah. him. I forget where what we what we say, but even though his was, family's deaths have been yes, historical, well, yes, yes, very much show. so. Um, so um, it really hurt. It's my favorite season we've ever done, but outside of the lack of Bob Einstein, who as a friend and as a, a, a someone I worked with, it hurts bad. Does it give um, maybe not just the show, but? Just you and, and Larry and everybody else, uh, Richard Lewis, Tim mm. Danson. Does it give all of you guys a, a bigger sense of your mortality now? Well, anytime your friend dies, yeah. it gives you mortality. When my dad died, it was like, oh, okay, you sort of are. You're in charge now. Right. You're the, and so yeah, all of it gives you mortality. But I have mortality when I. I'm appreciative of everything that is around me because I've appreciated. I had heart problems as a teenager. Uh, I had a stroke when I was 36, 37. I have faced stuff that reminds me, hey, man, find some joy. And uh, and also you've been taking care of. Yeah, I take care of myself. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, The other thing you have coming into 2020 is mad about you. Mad About You, I just filmed an episode of Mad About You. That was pretty uh, joyous and fun. That that could be coming out before 2020, I think, maybe. I don't know. Well, that's, I did that, one episode. Well, that's my real question is, does it matter when and where this stuff comes out? No. Because it's coming well, out it, on, it, on, does, it does matter. My special, I asked for it to come out at this time. Mm-hmm. And um, it was important to me, and so I'm out pushing it, mm-hmm. you know, uh, because I'm very proud of it. And because to me, it also represents me. I think when you see it, you get a sense of who I am and what's funny about me. And so if you're going to dig it, you would dig it. You know what I mean? And I hope people do dig it. Um, but I have to say that um, in general, I don't pay attention to when things come out. A lot of times I do movies mm-hmm. and I don't even see it when it comes out. As a matter of fact, I would say if you go through my IMDb, at least half the things that I've done, I've never seen. It's true because I don't see them to see it. I see him to do it. Right. I mean, I, I, I get the gig to do it. You know, it's about the doing. I did see Spring Break. Oh, you did? How I about that? Up. Yeah. Probably on his fear. Yeah. In the 80s. I saw it in the movie in the, theater in the, in the 80s. 80s. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. was too young. Yeah. I, I shouldn't have been watching it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, young and Handsome isn't. Uh, on Netflix these days. Yeah. But it is available on ShoutFactory.com. Oh, ShoutFactory.com which, has which it? Which is the company that, that yeah. made it. Right. Um, and I know you've talked a little bit about this, but I really want to dig into it. According to my internet homework, it did stream on Netflix uh-huh. in 2009, but as like a promotional tool. No, it was, it was a full-on... Netflix presents. Netflix presents. I'm pretty sure Net- well, Netflix paid for it. Okay. Netflix paid for it. So if they didn't present it, that's their <laughs> business. Shout Factory got the the recorded rights. Mm-hmm. They they were um, for for CD and DVD. Right. They got okay. But Netflix streamed it and put it out. So as far as I know, the very first. Uh, special they ever did was Zach Galifianakis right. live for yes. the Purple Onion, and mine Ted, was the first Ted, one. Ted's, Ted's in the audience for that taping. For that right, he was in mine too. 
So okay. I'm just saying well, that. that does make it official. Yeah, yeah. Ted's in the audience. No, Ted was in the audience. He's one of my best friends. And that does make it official. So, a Netflix special. Yeah, so it was, an, it was a Netflix special. I okay. know it. I've been, my relationship with Netflix has been long, long. I directed the first Netflix movie. Which was which was uh, um, what was the name of it? It was a one man show of John Waters. Oh, uh, this filthy world. Okay, it was an actual film for Netflix that I directed. I went to Toronto Film Festival to promote it. Red Envelope, if you remember when they yeah, used yeah. to call it that. Yeah, I have a long That's history what it of says Netflix. On the, on the but so when you go the thing, it basically says I think that. Um, uh, someone else has the first, you know, thing. Netflix original. Or yeah, Netflix. yeah, yeah, yeah. But but no, mine was before it, and yeah. so was Zach. Well, yeah, I know Zach. Yeah. Well, because Zach was DVD. Was DVD. Like they were DVD. Yeah, on. but it was a, still the first special yeah. that Netflix did. No, and he mentions Netflix in it. Yeah, so there you go. So. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> How did you end up getting being the first? Then. It just was with first streaming. Yeah, the time in which it would happen. I approached Ted and said, "I want to do this." He said, "Sure, let's do it." So now, it's that pretty much that simple. Well, now cut to twenty end of twenty nineteen, and yeah. you're back on Netflix. Yes, but there's so much comedy. Well, that but see, that was my reason for not. I it? felt I was originally going to call my special "What's So Special About My Special" because right. there's so many specials. When I was a young comedian, there were. 14, 12 of which on HBO, and, and two on Showtime, and that was it. <laughs> if you were George Carlin, you got Yeah, one. George, yeah, Robert Klein. And Robert Klein. Um, so, but I'm just saying that yeah. I have, uh, there's so many now. So I thought, well, if I'm going to do one, and I waited three years after I knew I could, I'm going to, I want it to be great. That was my goal. And as far as I'm concerned, I captured lightning in a bottle. And if you are going to, it's a, it's a great representation of what I do. So I, I'm not going to tell people it's great. I can tell you that I, I'm thrilled with how it turned out. It captures. It, to me, it captures. So if you dig it, then you dig my comedy. But comedy is such a personal thing. Right. Plenty of people are going to watch it stone-faced. I know that. And it's not their fault or anything. It's just that what makes people laugh is different from one person to another. You know, one thing they'll be able to say. What? I know what Jeff Garland's really like. Yes, they will be able to say that because it really is a friend of mine. As a matter of fact, uh, um, uh, uh, um, uh, uh, Andrea Siegel, who I wrote Handsome with, she just watched it and she said it was like being at lunch with you, which is a great compliment. I was thrilled with that. I'll take it. Yeah. Well, thank thank you so much, Jeff. Hey, an honor, a delight, as I say podcasts are. That was fantastic. (laughs) Thanks, Jeff. Thank you. This episode of the Comics Comic Presents Last Things First was produced by Alex Brazell at Showbiz Studios. The music by Camille Harris and Shockwave, logo by Giggle Chick. Please check out my website, thecomicscomic.com, for more interviews, reviews, and comedy news. Become a paid subscriber at patreon.com. I'm your host, Sean McCarthy. Thanks for listening. Thanks first.